Morning, everyone, and welcome to SU Weekly on CJSW, where we talk about everything going on at the U Calgary Students Union. My name is Shazia Jinnah Morset, and I am thrilled to be here hosting uh, today's episode uh, as your SU president. Joined with me today is Arlington Santiago, VP of Operations and Finance, and Ermia Reza Afsa, VP of Student Life, helping to make this show possible today, learning all the buttons. And uh, to chat with me today, I have our VP external, Matthew Salmasi. Uh, and you guessed it, we're going to talk about the Alberta provincial election. Uh, 
in case this is your first time hearing about it, the Alberta provincial election is fast approaching, really fast approaching, actually. So hopefully it isn't your first time hearing about it. Um, We've been talking to candidates on the show the last couple weeks, and now we're in the advanced poll stage. So there's advanced polls on the UCalgary campus uh, today and tomorrow, as and you can find out more about that uh, on the SU's website, uh, su.ucalgary.ca slash gotv, so G-O-T-V. Uh, and we will also have Village Ice Cream with us today on campus. So uh, come say hi and encourage your, your fellow community members to, to get out there and vote. Um, so on May 29th itself, Albertans will head to the polls for the voting date uh, itself to select a provincial government. That's fast approaching as that's Monday next week. And we've been saying it for weeks. We've been saying it for months. Students cannot afford to sit this election out. Since 2019, post-secondary education has become less affordable. The average student is paying 33% more than they did in 2019, or about $1,200 a year. The problem is that despite paying more, students are getting less. And like everyone else, they are feeling the rising costs of goods, of, of other goods and services, and they have been feeling this crunch for some time. Too often, voters don't get to know uh, the local candidates running in their constituency, which is why we brought candidates on for the last two months uh, to hopefully do our part and uh, educate our communities and, and give them the chance to, to hear from the folks that may be running in their ridings. And this week, without a guest, uh, we're going to chat with our VP external, Matthias, who's uh, really been leading a lot of our Go TV, so Get Out the Vote um, initiatives. He was uh, VP external as well last year, so uh, was re-elected, so has been continuing the efforts along the way, um, getting students to pledge to vote, um, and all the rest that surrounds it uh, as we lead up to this provincial election. And with that, I'll uh, let him introduce himself. Uh, good morning, Matthias. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and like Shazia said, I'm Mateusz Salmasi. I'm the VP External with the Students' Union at the University of Calgary. Um, I'm a fifth-year uh, psychology student. I'm also an international student, so I can't pa- uh, um, cast my ballot myself, but I'm here to encourage everyone who can, who is eligible, to do so. Um, we're really uh, excited to have pledged uh, about 2,000 um, non, uh, 2,000 uh, students to receive nonpartisan updates about the election. Um, if you haven't pledged, don't worry. As Shazia mentioned, there's advanced polling all over Alberta. Um, on campus, you can find it uh, in the Hunter Student Commons um, from today and tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you're on Foothills campus, you can find, uh, you can find it in the atrium from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., um, and as Shazia mentioned, we'll have Village Ice Cream there. Just make sure that when you're in line, you take a photo of yourself um, and Village Ice Cream uh, will and just show that photo to Village Ice Cream and they'll hand you um, a free uh, a free cool treat um, from 12 to 4 p.m. both today and tomorrow. So if it's feeling a, a little warm out there for you, um, cast your ballot. Yes. And so... We're well aware that, you know, we talk to students a lot about these issues. Um, and that's, that's a lot of our work is being the students union, that that's our, our stakeholder. That's, that's who you really are concerned with. But CGSW gives us an opportunity to speak to the larger community as well, right? Um, CGSW does a great job of being true community radio in, in our city. And that means that when we hop on air, uh, from 11 to 12 every week on Thursdays, we're not just talking to students. We're talking to the wider campus community, but also Calgarians at large as well. And 
that's why we're going to take this opportunity today to to kind of talk about some of those issues that are really pressing for for post-secondary students. And regardless of what party uh, you vote for or align with, uh, these are the things that we really would hope that community members are, are paying attention to and asking questions about because ultimately post-secondary students have been struggling and we've been struggling for years now. Uh, like I've said earlier, you Calgary students are paying about 33% more than uh, 2019 and that's per year. Uh, so $1,200 more per year and mandatory fees at the same time have also gone up by about 20%. Uh, so these increases have come with no improvement to quality of education and are thanks to deep provincial cuts where we estimate that you Calgary lost about 22% of its provincial operations funding. That's really impactful, especially during a time where students are paying more. They evidently see less and that leads to a lot of dissatisfaction, of course, especially when we're struggling with food security and and housing as well. And and this is all amongst the backdrop of uh, coming out of of years of a a global pandemic and the toll that that takes on society at large, but also um, on students. And their, their student experience was heavily impacted. You know, we're seeing that already where there's a lot of that institutional knowledge lost from from students and in, in the way that they've operated in, in physical spaces um, for their university experience. So we're here really to talk about how students are at a breaking point, right? One in five students, we surveyed uh, last year, just in December, one in five students say they can't afford to pay you Calgary's fourth consecutive tuition increase that was voted on in January. And another 67% of students say these tuition increases are causing a moderate to extreme stress on their finances. While these are just numbers on paper that I'm reading, there's a larger meaning behind these numbers. That is, a, every single person is a student that is struggling, a student that, that may not continue their education, uh, a student that, you know, that had their families bet everything on them and their post-secondary education to, to be that generational difference. And, you know, speaking even just for myself, I've, I've been in Alberta my whole life. I've, I've lived in Calgary my whole life and my parents both, Moving to Alberta uh, and have been here for well over 30 years as well. I don't know if this was the system we were expecting or this was what they were expecting um, out of post-secondary in in Alberta. And I think a lot of that has changed just, uh, you know, in the recent years. For years under, you know, a fairly consistent government, we we didn't see a lot of... um, decreases to post-secondary obviously we had to advocate all the time um but not not like this not not with the cuts that we've been experiencing recently um and so with that I'm, I'm, i'll toss it over to you matthews uh to add some some context here and and then uh, we'll head to another music break yeah absolutely um I, I think you touched on a lot of important points there um and and i think uh i think especially talking about um uh, the camp the wider community and campus i think that there's there tends to be in politics this kind of false division between the campus, uh, a university campus, as if it's its own bubble and, you know, Calgary and Alberta at large. But the reality is um, the issues that students will face, whether that's uh, the inability to put, you know, food on the table or to be mired deeper and deeper in debt is going to be effect- affecting like your kid or, you know, um, someone in, in the neighborhood or in your family's uh, kid, but it can also these deep cuts can also affect, let's say, the quality of research that's coming out of universities that might result in better healthcare treatments for you and your family, um, me- better mental health treatments for you and your family, even the development of um, new and innovative public policy that can really transform the situation that you face. 
um, throughout the province and, and, and in the city. So a lot of when we talk about investing in post-secondary, I mean, there's a reason that these budget cuts uh, make our economic situation worse. Um, not only are students, when they're mired in debt, of course, we know, you know, we're spending way less, you know, uh, can we afford, and we've heard this before, can you afford to save up for a house that's more and more uh, becoming out of reach? And on the well, other isn't hand... is it out of reach? Oh, <laughs> it is out of reach. I was being polite. Oh, None okay. of us are getting houses anytime <laughs> soon. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so... And on top of that, there there is a reason that every dollar that goes into post sec that is invested in post secondary produces um, a major economic return. And so, uh, though it may seem at first glance like uh, spending more money doesn't make more money, uh, that we're just tossing uh, that's just an expenditure. A lot of the time, we have too um, too much of a short term vision, and we forget that every dollar invested produces for the economy. And so um, when we talk about deficit spending, when we talk about, um, you know, seeing post-secondary as an extra, um, we're forgetting that picture. And we're hopefully uh, throughout the rest of the program, we'll also get to talk to you a little bit about some of the commitments that uh, um, each of the major parties have made and some of the asks that we've been putting out there um, that we want to make clear will make a better post-secondary system, not just for students, but for Albertans at large. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we know UCalgary alone brings in multiple billion dollars to the Alberta economy every year. And that's just one of the two major research universities in this province, right? We also have U of A and in Edmonton University of Alberta. And and that's just looking at those two, you know, largest um, and, you know, classic research universities in this province. There are countless other uh, folks and, and other post-secondaries in this province that, that facilitate education. You know, we were privileged enough last week to be out in Ottawa, myself and Matthews, um, as a part of the Canadian Alliance of Students Associations, our federal advocacy body that we belong to with other student groups. And in chatting with the other Alberta student leaders there, it, it's clear, you know, a lot of what Albertans' future depends on is occurring in these spaces, is occurring, is occurring in our post-secondaries. And it was actually really cool to see the options available for education styles and, and things that students are interested in, right? It's university is not, a, your traditional university is not the only option, right? There are many forms of education, you know, even Mount Royal and McEwen, for example, in Edmonton will offer different uh, educational experiences that might be more fit to, to certain students and their styles. And then same with SAIT and Nate and, and those polytechnics, right? So, and, and even Athabasca and, and offering their distance uh, opportunities, right? So all of these spaces lead to students being able to get educated. And all of these spaces are benefiting when we invest in post-secondary and we make post-secondary a priority. Um, so with that, I'll, I'll kick us off to some music. And so when we started, you were listening to B-Side featuring Leon Bridges. And that's, uh, oh my gosh, I had it in my head and then now I don't. Krangbin, Krangbin, uh, I've butchered that, but that's okay because you can look the song up still. And that's off the album Texas Moon. It was definitely a vibe. Great way to start the show off. And you're going to hear next, Pick Up Your Feelings by Jasmine Sullivan. And yeah, keep it locked. CJSW 90.9. We'll see you soon.
acting different, yeah. Funny how I finally flipped the script on ya. Yeah. When you the one who's double dipping, yeah. You so sloppy how I caught you slipping up. Uh. You're off the lease. Run me my keys. No more popping up the hitty, yeah. I ain't even got the miles to trip on ya. Yeah. No phone. Who is this? Brand new. Like the whip. Rack it up. No assist. Hey, bitch, I ain't average. Wake up. Need a zip. Hennessy. Take a sip.
Meanwhile, the priest has got a boyfriend And lots of teachers smoke weed after school When you're young, they try to keep you in the cages But most of them don't follow their own rules Spend your whole life being graded Being told you're not enough Being told, go find the one and sit and wait for death to come But I don't want, I need to talk to God There's things I just don't understand started your journey towards your personal health goals? At Active Living, located at the University of Calgary, we have everything you need to lead the way to healthy active living. 
We offer diverse facilities, comprehensive programming, and services all open to the public. From group fitness to personal training to having access to one of the biggest racket centers, we have what you need to help you on your journey. Visit activeliving.ucalgary.ca. All right, and we're back. This is SU Weekly on CJSW 90.9. I'm Shazi Jinnah Morissette, your SU president. And you just heard uh, two songs. So the first one was Pick Up Your Feelings by Jasmine Sullivan. And the second one was No One's in the Room by Jesse Reyes. And now that we're back from the music break, I am going to remind you all that I'm here with our Vice President External, Matush Salmasi, and we are talking all things Alberta elections um, as we're so close to the final days of it now. We've got advanced polls on the Calgary campus, on main campus, and there's also advanced polls at the Foothills campus and advanced polls all around the city. And the great part about advanced polls is that they're vote anywhere. So no matter what riding you're in, what what area you're you're voting in and, and your address relates to, at these advanced polls, uh, you can vote for whatever identifies with your address and, and they have that prepped for you. Uh, so that's that's really the best easy part. I got my voting done yesterday. It was really nice and easy, low lines. Um, and it's actually the second time I voted on campus. They voted on campus for the 2015 federal election as well and came across an advanced poll and was blown away by how easy it was uh, because definitely it's hard on those days of, um, especially if anything comes in. So it's really important to have a plan to vote vote early if possible and, uh, you know, really just ensure that uh, you're thinking ahead for any of the supports you might need to be able to get to the polls, for example, on voting day on May 29th um, and and all of that stuff. And also to consider your neighbors and, and, you know, some of the seniors in your family, things like that, what supports they might need to get to the polls. Um, So, yeah, with that, though, I'm going to kind of kick off the discussion again with our vice president external. And we're going to lead into kind of talking about some of the asks that uh, we as the Students' Union has had, um, and then talk about what we've gotten as responses from uh, namely the two major parties. So that's the UCP and the NDP. And with that, we are a nonpartisan organization, and that's really critical to remember because we advocate for students. We advocate for student needs, and we advocate to whoever is going to listen and be able to make changes um, in those impactful things for students. And much of that, because of post-secondary being within the provincial portfolio, is advocating to the provincial government, regardless of who's in power, regardless of who um, has the seats. And uh, that's why we're chatting today, too, is regardless of which party you support or where you're voting, um, we really want to highlight uh, how important it is to to kind of ask those questions about post-secondary and, and think about that um, as part of the future of Alberta. Uh, so one more thing I want to just to quickly mention is that, you know, we want students to vote, but it would be irresponsible for us to not talk to students and arm them with the information that they need about policy and what is going on in the sector. Uh, creating informed voters is very important, and that's really what we've been working hard on. So some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, you can see summarized um, in some posts on our own SU uh, social media, so our SU Instagram. Uh, we also have uh, deep information about our asks on SU website, so su.ucalgary.com. .ca slash go TV. 
And additionally, if you're scrolling around, you'll find a lot of these kind of breakdowns um, floating around social media right now. So as long as you're uh, making sure that it's from a credible source, it's a great way to learn about how um, the parties kind of match up to, to what your focuses are and, and what you want to see out of uh, leadership in Alberta. And there's also the Vote Compass from CBC, which uh, is pretty in-depth. I'm not going to lie, I did it last night and it took me a couple minutes, but I learned a lot. Uh, and I think even me being engaged heavily in this election, I learned a lot. So it's never too late to educate yourself on on the voter, on the platforms and, and the parties and come to the polls as an informed voter. Um, there's still some time to, to do that and serve your community in that way. So with that, um, I'll toss it over to Matthews to kind of talk a little bit about fees and tuition uh, to start off our conversation on this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you again for having me. Um, so uh, when it comes to... So I, in the last uh, section before the break, we talked a little bit about how there's that false division between the on-campus community and what students are going through and the rest of, of the province. Um, and related to that is... Uh, you know, when students are not able to make ends meet, when we're not able to pay our rent, when we're not able to pay our tuition, um, the economy as a whole suffers, but also um, someone in your family, uh, someone you might know, is also not doing so well. Um, and there are a lot of sneaky ways that costs can be increased on uh, on students. Um, and if you're looking to, to, you know, change your career path, um, this is going to be relevant to you. So one of the things that we've been advocating for the longest time is uh, capping tuition to inflation for the past many years. Um, but at the same time, for the past many years, um, inflation has been almost negligible and relatively stable. In the past uh, year or so, especially since COVID, um, inflation, as everyone has noticed, has skyrocketed. Um, w with that, uh, we have seen um, our so we organized a protest against the latest tuition increases, and we have been consistently um, lobbying both administration and the provincial government to reinstate more significant regulations on how much tuition can go up. Um, and it was only after our protest in January where the current government um, announced a, uh, you know, governed by the UCP, announced a 2% cap to uh, tuition increases and a number of other inflationary supports. Um, on the flip side of things, we saw that the NDP committed to um, a tuition freeze and uh, a review of post-secondary system funding and the role that tuition can play in post-secondary funding um, uh, after that. Um, to dig a little bit deeper, um, the, the Alberta NDP um, has, has uh, committed to essentially reversing the tuition increases that were uh, passed in January that we were protesting. So we were slated to see a 5.5% increase in the next year. Um, under the United Conservative uh, Party's tuition uh, tuition uh, proposal and and regulations, we would still see that five and a half percent increase, and then after that, there would be that two percent cap. Um, uh, we've heard from uh, Rachel Notley at the uh, Q and A event when she the, when she agreed to visit campus. Um, we always ask both parties, and we'll take whoever can show up. Um, we heard from her that. Uh, she would be willing to, um, if inflation were to stay consistently high, um, that her government would uh, not peg tuition increases to uh, inflation after that, but only do so if inflation were semi under control, which is not uh, entirely specific, um, but that is how she phrased it. And moving on to, f on to fees, um, 
this is a, I mean, everyone needs to, everyone can agree we need transparency in where our money is going. That's just plain and simple. Um, and this one has been kind of a cantankerous fight for uh, students in the Students' Union and the university. Right now, we have tuition, and then we have an entirely, an, an entirely different category that is far less regulated called mandatory non-instructional fees. So you're paying for the sports team and athletics, you're paying for the gym, uh, you're paying for a very large category called student services. Um, what regulations dictate that money can be used for are extremely vague. Um, what is a good in service? Um, what kind of reporting do you have to provide for that? Right now, it's a little bit of a wild west. One of the most concrete um, uh, pieces in that regulation is it has to be tied. It, it has to any increases have to deal have to do with cost recovery. What what is cost recovery? Um, we need these things defined and put into uh, regulation and without being overly prescriptive, without being way too technical so that there's no flexibility, but we really need to know where our money's going. So we, that's been another fight we've been pushing and making some progress on greater transparency so we know where our money's actually going. But in terms of tuition, that's where those two parties have landed. Um, we, haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen much commitment in terms of specificity from either party on the mandatory non-instructional fees. So we're going to continue to push on that front. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I was going to ask if, if I'm correct, neither party has really specifically alluded to the mandatory non-instructional fees as, as we've um, requested in in our asks. Um, But again, that leaves room for, for questions and, and finding out um, what your candidates in your area um, you know, what, where do they stand on these issues? Um, and so that's, that's one big piece of it is, of course, what we're charged as students to participate at a university, to be a student at a university. But something that links heavily to what we're charged and what we have to pay uh, to ensure that the university can have a balanced budget so that they can operate and function, that is really connected to, and this is, I think, one area that, you know, the students' union and the university can really agree on is, is really connected to cuts and to budget um, and to funding that comes to the post-secondary institutions, right? Obviously, if, if we have funding from the province, then that does mean that the, the university doesn't necessarily need to look for more money from students, potentially. That's not to say that looking for money from students um, to increase tuition to, to meet a balanced budget is the only option out there. Um, I do believe there's there's really creative ways where a university um, creativity is kind of the thing with with it. So hopefully that, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit at UCalgary can really come into play here and and help find those unique ways to to offset some of those costs from students, especially as they've been increasing so rapidly. And um, and at a time where we really just cannot afford any more increases um, in any areas of our lives, especially education, which is an easy thing to let go of if, you know, you, you need to keep a roof over your head and you're not eating. Uh, that is something that students will let go of. And it's it's really a shame because that's something that, again, a, a lot of our families have worked for a very long time to be able to afford for us. Or, you know, we have our own goals and, and education really should be something that is accessible and not a bar- and, and shouldn't be determined whether or not you have barriers that prevent you from getting there, especially financial. Um, and so that's why uh, we'll lead into talking about budget cuts and funding overall of post-secondaries, because that is something that the government, uh, the provincial government does have a direct hand in. And uh, and that directly does connect back to what we pay as students from both categories, the tuition increases and the mandatory non-instructional fee increases as well. 
Absolutely. Um, and and to, to do another side-by-side comparison, um, our, our current government with the, with the United Conservative Party um, has, uh, has not made commitments to large uh, operational funding increases uh, to recover um, the $700 million or more in, in uh, the $700 million or more that's been cut from post-secondary over the last uh, number of years. Um, a lot of the any of the funding increases have been extremely targeted to very very specific programs, a um, couple buildings here and there. And while those are absolutely welcome, we need more spaces in uh, veterinary medicine and medicine. Uh, we need some target funding in certain industries. At, on the whole, when you slash an entire post secondary system, what you're doing is you're undercutting uh, a lot of the other fields that would that would be supportive of the targeted fields that you know you need to to increase. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, the workforce in. Um, and with a 2% cap on tuition, uh, because money should not be coming from students, and no increase in operate, operating grants, that overall funding, that's an indirect cut because the cost of goods will continue to increase for the university. And at the Students' Union, you know, we don't hold water for the university. You know, oftentimes we, we can have a, uh, a, a big difference of opinion on a number of issues. We're always looking to hold them to account. But at the end of the day, without funding in the system, we're essentially fighting over scraps, um, and there isn't that room. Um, when we look at the, the NDP, um, there, there was a commitment from uh, Rachel Notley to, uh, as, as mentioned, um, uh, launch a sort of re- system-wide review of the post-secondary system, the role of tuition uh, in funding the post-secondary system and funding as a whole. Not a lot of specificity uh, in that regard. Um, she did speak to uh, putting together a sort of youth council, which uh, to our understanding would play the role of um, identifying what changes would need to be made across the province, not just in post-secondary, to kind of keep young Albertans here and to, to develop our potential, um, and she committed to having students play a part in that council. Um, we would be hopeful to see, regardless of any any government in power, that increase in funding, so that we're so that you know we don't have to continuously deal with uh, seeing our quality of education decline, not just in terms of dollar amounts. Um, that that dollar amount is always related to do we have enough staff. If we can't get to an advisor, it's because there's not enough money, and that comes from the operating grant. We can have more seats, we can have more enrollment, and we can profit off of and increase our revenue by just stuffing more students into a finite space. But if we don't have the support around them in terms of mental health and advising, you're paying thousands more for way less. And that's what we consistently hear from students every single day. Yeah, it's inevitable, right? We we that 22% lost uh, approximately just lost by U Calgary from provincial operations funding cuts. It's been it's felt. Um, it's felt across the campus. It was felt during the pandemic. It's been felt con- continuously still as as we're still dealing with elements of the pandemic. And especially, it's taking that additional toll as we have a bunch of students heading to campus for the very first time that you know, are two years into their studies that need even more support potentially. That that load, that community load that it that it takes. Um, can often be underestimated. Uh, it really does take a whole system to support a single student. Um, and while targeted investment is really supportive and helpful, um, 
I often wonder what that means for the rest of our system, right? The rest of our capacity, because every student is also going to be still using, you know, our IT infrastructure. They're still going to be using the common space buildings. They're still going to be using the the same community supports that the university offers, the same wellness services. And that really does, um, you know, put additional uh, additional load onto onto the system that seems already really kind of at capacity. And we know that this isn't just U Calgary alone, but there's going to be tens of thousands of students in the next 10 years, new seats that are required for post-secondary um, in the province. And that's something that, you know, universities are really eager to, to meet um, the demand for. Of course, a more educated population is, in my opinion, never a bad thing. Um, and, and universities do believe the same, I believe. So that that's that challenge is they're eager to meet the demand. But along the way, where is that funding going to be coming from? And how can we maintain such a high quality of education that, you know, I, again, speaking as an Albertan my whole life, that we've come to believe is is really, I think, unique about our province is is the fact that we've had affordable education up until the last four years um, that has been really qu- high quality and, and filled, of, filled, of, filled, with, filled with opportunities. Um, and and that's why I chose to stay in the province for, for university and, and why I chose to go to University of Calgary. And it's also why I'll likely stay in this province afterwards. You know, I, I, I don't know what my future will look like, but I, I I can't lie. I've I've loved what post secondary has been able to do for me in this province. I I love what it, it's been able to for, do do for me to create a generational difference. You know, my dad being a refugee, um, the, the education is really what my grandparents pe- preached to me is, and wasn't just to get a job, but it was because it it truly is that thing that per, that really helps our mobility um, in in society and and helps us protect, like save and, and really care for our next generation as well. So uh, with that in mind, uh, did you want to add anything else, uh, Matthews, before we head out for another mic break here um, regarding, I guess, the whole trio of fees, tuition um, and cuts? And before I throw it back to you, um, just as a little recap, when it comes to cuts and, and reversing cuts, we've not necessarily gotten a clear answer from either party. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matiush, but we've, welcome to elections. Everything's very vague. Um, and we've, we've gotten commitments in, in regards to, to, to consider and look at these areas, but neither party has really kind of put forth a dollar amount that they would reinvest into post-secondary off the bat. Well, no, and we've heard, we've heard, uh, I mean, we've heard from the Alberta NDP uh, a commitment to, quote, reverse the cuts. Um, which implies that dollar amount of that 700 million or more that was cut over the last few years. But ultimately, you're going to need to know, as the post-secondary system has changed over the last few years, you're going to need to know how much uh, might need to be recovered for the different programming that's developed over over the last how many years. Yeah. Um, so we, it, it sounds as though they want to go through that system-wide review before determining uh, determining any amount, and then that's that's where if students play a, if student representatives play a role there, that's where we can really push, and I'm sure universities will push as well to say we do need that funding, whatever dollar amount back. Um, and in terms of the United Conservative Party, it is it's very targeted uh, program wise, and uh, I would say that that's the extent. Yeah, and that again, regardless of the party you'll be voting for, regardless of the party you support. Getting that student vote out there is going to really show for the next four years what the power of students are. Why should the government listen to us? Why should they entertain what we have to say? Why should they respond to what we have to say? 
getting that student vote out there in the numbers alone, again, regardless of what party these students are voting for, it shows that students care, that we're a voice to be reckoned with, and and we're a population that should really be focused on and cared about because we have a large voice in this province. I believe by percentage, we have one of the highest number of percentage per population of, of post-secondary students in the country. Um, and, and getting out the vote for students is a really good opportunity to show, again, for the next four years, these are stats they look back on. Um, does it matter? Do students matter in the long run of things when a party is trying to get reelected in four years? Do they need to look at their record with students or do they not need to care? Um, and I think that's one, one key thing with getting out the vote and getting that student vote out there is, is to ensure that we show that we're here. We care about the issues and our lives kind of depend on it. Um, and again, regardless of party, um, getting that message across is going to be really important, uh, at this time in this election, especially looking at the last four years, um, the last three years, I guess, with the since 2020 with the pandemic and how much our landscapes have really changed and student needs have changed as well. Um, we want to show them that, you know, they should be listening uh, and they need to be listening because we've changed. Um, it's not the same old, same old with students, but that doesn't mean that um, we don't need support any less. Um, so uh, as I take us out to a mic break here, You'll be listening to Guilty Conscience by O70 Shake. And this is CJSW 90.9 SU Weekly. Keep it locked. My mom won't let me rest. Voice in my head. I hear what it says. I can't trust a thing. If I picked up in there, how fast did you fuck it?
The annual Sled Island Music and Arts Festival is back June 21st to 25th. Experience five days of music, comedy, film, and art in diverse venues across Calgary, Alberta. Featuring genre-defying indie alternative artist Barty Strange as guest curator, garage rock chameleons OCs, Chicago-based indie rock three-piece Dead, Cosmic, Free Jazz Legends, Sun Ra Orchestra, Latin folk innovator Helado Negro, Toronto's viral hip-hop sensation Akintoye, Gothic folk artist Emma Ruth Rundle, Philadelphia-based punk rock revolutionaries Mannequin Pussy, alternative R&B artist Amindi, Juno award-winning comedian and actor Dave Merhedge, and much more. Plus, there's over 200 artists in the full lineup. Check out that full lineup and get your passes and tickets at sledisland.com. All right. Welcome back to CJSW 90.9. You are listening to the SU Weekly Show. My name is Shazi Jenna-Morset. I'm your SU president, and I'm here today with your SUVP external, Matthew Shalmasi. We've been talking Alberta elections. I'm not going to go through the spiel again. You just heard uh, Guilty Conscience by 070 Shake. And now I'm going to toss it back to Matthew here to go over some some final things um, that we want to leave with you all. And then we'll go over some some final details about how you can vote, any further information you might need, where you can find it um, before we sign off for the day. So I'll toss it back to you, Matthew, right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let, let's talk a uh, big hot topic for this election, which is jobs and affordability. Um, and this is one of the most clear examples of how there is a false division between campuses uh, and the and the wider community, the, Al- the wider uh, Alberta and, and the city of Calgary. Um, we have we have had for years what's what's known as the summer temporary employment program um, for students and also for employers. That is essentially that has essentially been a seven dollar wage subsidy um, to assist um, whether it's nonprofits, small businesses other organizations in hiring students uh, to work for them. Um, what this has uh, traditionally done is created every year uh, about 3,000 jobs for students. Um, it's enabled uh, a lot of smaller organizations and small businesses to, to grow and, and to, you know, to kind of get their foot in the door. Um, and at the same time, uh, it's allowed students to be able to save uh, over their summer so that they can better afford uh, their tuition uh, going back into fall and winter. Um, uh, in the past, uh, this three this three thousand job uh, creating program uh, cost costed about uh, ten million dollars. Um, when the current government came into office, they completely axed the summer temporary employment program. Um, so we lost three thousand jobs there, and we lost um, that summer employment for students. And the lack of summer employment for students has stayed a consistent issue um, uh, since then. It has only gotten worse, especially in light of COVID, as, as uh, the economy has has suffered in that regard. Um, here, our biggest ask has been to bring back uh, STEP, the Summer Temporary Employment Program. Um, and this might be one of the, the biggest um, uh, differences between both of the leading parties, um, for years, we've been uh, calling on the current government and the UCP to, to return step, and we have received uh, no commitment to return step. On the other hand, uh, the Alberta NDP has committed to not just bringing back step to uh, um, the tune of 3,000 job uh, placements. They've uh, committed to bringing it back and then multiplying it by four. So 
uh, funding it not to the tune of $10 million, but to, to the tune of $40 million, which they estimate would create about 12,000 jobs for students. This is uh, in- exceptionally crucial um, for students and uh, for the Alberta economy as a whole. Um, one of the biggest things we hear from uh, employers is that, uh, it, you know, in, in media especially, is that um, there's kind of a, um, a labor shortage and it's difficult to, to get folks to, to come out and, and, and work for them. Um, not only does a wage subsidy assist with their costs, it's an, it's an extra incentive for those students who, uh, as, as Shazia mentioned earlier in the show, Students want to fill those positions, especially students who want to fill those positions in their field of study. They get that experience and that helps them in the long run. Um, and, and on top of that, uh, moving on moving on to, to the second issue, um, and just to juxtapose how the parties can be so different in one respect and how they're not too different in another aspect, um, one of the things we've been really pushing on uh, aside from jobs uh, is parental financial aid. So when you apply for your Alberta student loans and your um, Alberta grants and other supports, you have to report your parental income. But there are a lot of barriers that come with uh, having to report parental income. Maybe you actually don't get support from your parents. Maybe you don't um, live with your parents anymore. Maybe on paper you're a dependent, but in reality you're not. Um, Maybe they have assets that... uh, can't exactly be liquidated. <laughs> um, there's uh, and maybe they only recently lost their job, so the amount that they're reporting is not uh, real to, to the current situation. Uh, or there were emergency expenses. A whole host of issues. Um, what removing and this has been our ask: removing parental income from uh, a, from being a deciding factor in how much financial aid you get will. Um, increase the amount of money that can get into students' hands so that they can afford to pay these skyrocketing costs, whether they're living expenses uh, or tuition. It also has, um, it also has uh, a, wi- a wider ripple effect when, uh, when we're talking about the city and being able to afford. For example, uh, if you want to be able to afford your low-income pass, um, right now, as students, we are under the U-Pass. Um, if we ever wanted to... Um, uh, try a different system where we're under sort of a, a cheaper low-income pass. Well, all of that is based on our parental income, other services associated with the city, um, other supports, parent, uh, parental financial aid set by the province. Um, if we can change that, we can change things across the province. Um, and so if that excites you, if all the issues that we've talked about excite you, if these things make a difference for whether you uh, you feel you should get out there and vote, highly recommend going to electionsalberta.ca and learning what you need to take to the polls, um, what you need to do at the polls if you don't have uh, ID or proof of address and things like that. Um, Remember, we have advanced polling across Alberta. Um, If you go to elections.alberta.ca, you can find uh, a multitude of, of advanced polling stations across the province. On campus, we've got at Hunter Student Commons, um, an advanced polling station uh, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. today and tomorrow. And on our Foothills campus in the atrium, we've got advanced polling from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. today and tomorrow. Um, advanced polling is also open on Saturday, depending on your location. So make sure to go to Alberta uh, to elections.alberta.ca to make sure you have all the information you need. Amazing. Thanks for covering all of that, Matouche. And we will be actually heading down to uh, 
I guess, kind of by the prairie chicken on U Calgary's campus. And we'll be with Village Ice Cream giving out ice cream. So uh, if you're in the area, come pop by uh, and and we encourage you uh, to, to, you know, uh, hopefully stop at the advanced pools along the way maybe. But, you know... If you still just want some ice cream, I'm sure we'll make that happen for you as well. Um, and really, uh, I'll close it off here by just saying, you know, we, we aren't asking for more. Um, we've, we've not been asking for more. We're just asking the same for the same Alberta advantage as post-secondary students had as little as five years ago. Um, and with that, I'll play us out with PDLIF by Bonnie Vare. You've been listening to the SE Weekly Show on CJSW 90.9. Keep it locked for the Good Medicine Show next. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Captain's Log. Stardate, 2023. Year of the Rabbit. We've been traveling 15.6 hours with damaged engine on 20% power. Systems are failing, and I fear we will not last long. Lieutenant Tanny. Status report. Captain, we have one hour, 32 minutes of power left. But that's me being optimistic. There are no habitable planets nearby. <laughs> 